You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How's everybody going this week? Uh, road course week. David Hall. Don't hit me, bro. It's lap one. Greg Hectus. Woohoo! It's road course week. All right. It's actually Chicago week here in iRacing, where we'll cover the release of the new Chicago Street Circuit and the iRacing Pro Series inaugural race at the concept track as we start to get ready for the upcoming Season 3 build. Also, don't forget that you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products that we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. After a complete new build, GridFinder 2.0 is here and better than ever. Along with a brand new look, GridFinder has made league searching even easier and much more enjoyable by adding more search options for the driver and giving league owners a better way to promote their league features and making it easier to connect with drivers with the brand new Join Now button. Make sure to check out www.grid-finder.com and find your place on the grid. Find your league or upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com We'll jump right into some hotfix news. We have Alex Gustafson posting the updates, and it's pretty simple. Basically, it updated some aspects for the uh, eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational. Basically, they put out Chicago, right? But there there was probably some adjustments to make it work as well. One thing I want to point out right here is there's no love for Sonoma right now, really. And normally, these Pro Invitational races are like a preview of the upcoming event. And in this case, they certainly aren't previewing Sonoma. They're trying to sell, you know, everybody on uh, Chicago Street, obviously. Well, one, it's marketing. But two, uh, we've, we've heard some rumors that Sonoma may be on its way out in real life. Uh, combine that with the fact that they made some major surface and tire model updates at Coda. They did not do those same updates at S- Sonoma. I'm wondering if it's going to get to a point where, you know, say we have, there's a set amount of road courses on the schedule every year. Say they have five or six and they just rotate certain ones in and out year by year um, to kind of change it up a little bit to have different things. So they can go to, there's all kinds of road courses in North America that they could visit and, and take capitalize, especially coming out of the pandemic. It'd be nice to, um, to see some of these tracks and maybe maybe they do it with some of the short track stuff too somewhere down the road too because we don't know what they're going to do short track racing wise eventually once these schedules open up where they're not set on this this amount of tracks have to get shown by this or go to each year the only kicker with that though is it's 
it's hard to run the full budget in many places if you uh, don't have that yearly, at least once yearly event, right? To keep, to, especially the bigger tracks, to keep it open. Yeah, it would be nice to have a one or two weeks that are rotating, but those, when it comes to selling sponsorships, those places have to be able to say, yeah, we're going to have races here for the next five years, not just the next year. Okay. Next up, uh, the iRacing world is reaching out to its members to create a short story with their names for a care car, a card for fellow racer Cecil Green, who has been hospital, hospitalized. Um, and so Cecil Green has been around a long time, guys. And he's, if you've raced NIS, you've raced Cecil. His I rating is in the 4,000s right now, so he's kind of a top split guy, or lower end of it anyway. But... I've raced him uh, many years over, uh, you know, in NIS Open and Fix, and uh, he's a good guy to race. Uh, you, you could some, you could trust him, you know, you could race around him and and that kind of thing. But he's he's having trouble. And, and on the Facebook, they put up a, a picture of him in the hospital. Um, they didn't say specifically what his issues are, but it doesn't look good. Um, and so there's a couple people that are reaching out trying to get iRacers that know Cecil to put together something like a few sentences on a, and they're going to make like a virtual uh, card uh, or a, a short video like a 20 30 second video um, those videos can be sent to the uh, HAP584 at Outlook.com uh, I actually recorded one yesterday and sent it to him um, just to get the ball rolling and I hope others do too so if you've raced Cecil you know, give your give sixty seconds and just email a short video over to these guys. It's Mark Nadu uh, who's putting it together, and Vincent Picciotti. I know I didn't say that right. He goes on iRacing by Crow now. If that'll make it a little bit easier. Well, Vincent does. Yeah, he changed his name on iRacing for some reason. He's Crow. <laughs> that's his first name. That's his last name. Oh, he that's his last name, Vincent Crow. Okay. And so the deadline uh, is uh, about 10 days from now, from a week, well, actually, it's a week from Saturday, I'm sorry. Um, and they like the idea of the video, they're going to edit something together because it's, you know, try to put, you know, faces to names kind of thing. So um, I talked to Mark Pagenet last night in the race. Uh, his team was actually thinking about uh, doing something as well, and I told him about what Mark Nadu was doing. and and uh, Vincent and so they're going to Mark Padgett's going to reach out apparently they're arranging to get this guy a PlayStation so he has something to do while he's uh, uh, laid up I think you know we all uh, have raced him at some point here uh, he, I think I've raced him for he's got to have been around for 8 to 10 years hasn't he Mike yeah I think he's like 9 year veteran so, you know, I know whenever I, you know, when you go into a room, sometimes you just see certain names and you just are like, okay, yeah, I, I, I know who that is. Whenever you see Cecil's names, you know, you know, you're going to get a good race from him, but you're also, he's going to be fair with you too. So I, it's, it's, it's sad that this is uh, going on for him, but I wish him the best. It says also included will be a gaming system. Um, this will be supplied by an unlisted donor. Uh, that name is not important as the deed itself. So, so you know, initially the idea was we were all going to pitch in on a PlayStation. Uh, 
but apparently somebody already just decided to buy it and be done with it and uh yeah so let's get the card together and the video guys uh you listeners get involved and send something over the email and everything to send it to is on the script on our website irisersloungecom brian nascar yeah, guys, so we're going to move on to the NASCAR Pro Invitational. Uh, so uh, this started, uh, this was broadcasted on uh, Fox Sport 1 um, on Wednesday night. And uh, so before the show started, uh, we got a couple of uh, interesting tweets. Uh, first one was from Dale Earnhardt Jr., no other than. Um, and uh, he actually was going to be in the race. He wanted to be in the race, but apparently he was in a, a Tennessee mountain retreat. So uh, he actually took. A, an old looks like an older uh, G27 wheel and pedals and a, a small monitor took it with him and set it up on his balcony in the uh, Tennessee mountains and that's where he raced from so he was uh, he was dead sure going to not miss this race and uh, took some equipment with him set it up uh, and uh, he had a you know uh, a, a lot, a lot smaller system than he's used to I'm sure but um, hey, he he made the race. He wasn't going to miss it, and he brought his trusty Logitech with him to get it done. What a what a lifestyle he leads, eh? Must be hard to uh, to enjoy that view and race, eh, guys? That's amazing, racing right outside, and the uh, it's really nice looking outside. The temperature it looks like it's really mild, uh, real overcast, not raining, but um, boy, that looks really comfortable, actually. So he says he's in Tennessee again. Does that mean he's doing something for Nashville again? That's like the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty cool. I wonder how he gets the internet is my first question. I'm probably doing something like Brian does. Yeah, it could be. But you still need cell towers, too. Who knows? If you're, if you're in the middle of the Tennessee Smoky Mountains or something, you're probably, probably hard-pressed to find a, a solid uh, cell tower as well. But he's got a real cool setup here. Um, you can see he kind of, uh, kind of haberdashed it together. Uh, he's he's got his uh, G27 clamped to this rustic table on the outside porch. He's got a monitor that's propped up with a, a set of a, a game of dominoes underneath it to prop it up a little bit. He's got his G27 pedals on the ground with a with a something stacked behind it to keep it from sliding on him. So you know he knows how he knows how to get it done. He knows the poles in uh, in uh, racing these. Uh, older style systems so he's he, he got it all figured out is he running telemetry on that uh laptop on the side maybe or like sim racing apps or something he's got another laptop there well that's probably what he's running the sim through right there's no desktop around or anything so uh, i guess yeah you're right so yeah so i'm guessing he's just running a second monitor at, off the laptop yeah it's the same screen it's cloned yeah, I see that now. I didn't even I didn't even think for looking for a CPU. So the, yeah, so this is like uh, the Timmy Hill setup, right? That's what he's been for years on, basically. To recently, I think he finally upgraded. But this is all he ever had, and uh, he always kicked butt. As we're talking about Chicago, we have a video of a lap around Chicago. NASCAR tweeted it. Uh, it's a hot lap in the uh, concept track and it's, it's interesting it's a little jarring to watch because it's kind of like the old Long Beach where there's no the the buildings don't have textures yet they're just uh, geometric shapes the track though is um, 
insanely hard. I don't look forward to having to learn it when when one of the tracks goes there. There's this insane double right-hander turn where you basically are going around a a wall that's sticking out. And uh yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a nightmare to learn these tracks. You you run at a street course and there's no off track and get back on and you've just lost time. You make a mistake at a street course and your race is over. Yeah, as we saw during this race. Now when I saw this video and the layout, you know, from above, it, deja vu, man. Uh, like some racing game before iRacing, I've run this course. Now, it might be some other city or something, but I have run this course. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, or am I smoking? It's the airport at uh, uh, Cleveland. And they used to do it in IndyCar. It used to be the, un, the uh, IndyCar Papyrus Racing. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I've done this layout though, where it's a I've, street. I've looked at it from the above picture, and I saw the same same thing. It looks like the the airport. I think it was I think it was Cleveland, is where they were doing the airport for for it. But uh, they used to run on that airport, and it had this shape. If you're on a street course in you know downtown, where it's a grid, what are you going to have for the most part? You're going to have ninety degree turns. Yeah, that's well, maybe why it's familiar too. The thing is, too, this video is pre, pre any of the surroundings added to it. Like when we're gonna have a story here coming up, but it does not. They obviously didn't want to give away what it looked like when they were showing it going around because it doesn't totally look like that when you watch the broadcast. Yeah, I thought I thought this video was something they had um, they had uh, put out several weeks ago when they first really was. started teasing this yeah so this is probably before all the artists have gotten all their rendering done for the buildings up to up to their final uh broad final release all right adam stern tweeted uh, nascar is continuing talks with the city about possibly running a real life race there it's still unclear whether in 2022 or 2023 would be the first event but chris myers also recently noted that a track at the la coliseum is also a possibility is that the one where the pits are on the outside and it's like it's like a short track that used to be in some of the older NASCAR games? Uh, well, this Coliseum, I'm wondering if they're going to enter the Coliseum and kind of race around it. Didn't uh, I want to say the X Games had did like rally cross through one of the I think they did it in Philadelphia and, and L.A. They would run through the through the Coliseum and then back outside and run around the outside and come back in again. Yeah. What I'm talking, yeah. what I'm thinking about is an actual, actually an arena that was like a little short track, um, that you would run around and, and it, uh, I think it was called Ram stadium or something like that. And you could run around the inside, but then when you went to pit, it was, the pits were kind of in the concourse underneath the stands. Not sure. Yeah, I'd be confused how they put a track at the L.A. Coliseum, how they would do something like that. You know, because I do remember what you were talking about, Greg, with the X Games. I think it was the X Games, you know, like it might have been the rally cars or something like that that would uh, transition from the outside to the inside and go back out again. Um, but I don't know if that would work real well with, uh, with, with stock cars or not. But, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they would come up as far as a concept with the LA Coliseum and being involved. I think what would be the actual experience, uh, Brian, is the rumble of the cars coming from through the one spot underneath people, right? And then coming out 
maybe doing a couple corners inside, maybe, I don't know how they would lay it out inside and then screaming back out the other side It kind of just having the fans surround the whole area. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever watched the, the Mexican Grand Prix, but they've put like a, it, the Mexican Grand Prix has these stands all around this one area and it kind of, the car enters the area, does a couple corners and then leaves and it kind of just has a different atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, so they sounds- put out the uh, finish video, and I was just watching that. And what's interesting is they really did finish the city. I mean, it's not like the Long Beach Tech Track at all. But yeah, it's definitely no, something think- they're going to do once they got the uh, once they have the the track finalized, right? Then they can put in all the all the graphics and bells and whistles. It's amazing how they can generate everything on the outside. Like when we looked at that track originally, we didn't know how much detail was going to come with it, but they they went all out with the detail and made it more of a feel like a city that you're driving in and not uh, you know uh, a normal road course where everybody's on the outside. Yeah, once I, uh, once NASCAR got involved with possibly having this as a televised broadcast event, you know they they were going to go all out with the visuals to to best represent the sim as they could. And who knows, maybe NASCAR. I don't know if NASCAR pitching in somehow to. Uh, to make this more possible for iRacing to do, to, to uh, get that done. Because NASCAR is getting a lot out of this deal as well. They're basically getting, um, you know, a, a dry run for, for a possible uh, venue that they might want to add. So um, they get a lot of, a lot from this uh, iRacing simulation uh, at this track because it's, it's something that they can't do without actually simulating it first. Uh, you know, they can't, they can't build it and then just – test it and then put it take it all back down i wouldn't think so is it going to be weird if chicago eventually says nope we're not going to race here well it's just something else to have right like we can say we have it i have a feeling if it's this far i would say it's not going any further it's going to go all the way that's what i'm saying if, if i racing spent all the money and time to finish it like the entire city and not just do a tech track version of it there's got to be uh, something to it. You know, it's probably a done deal already. We just don't know it. David, there's no possibility that we race this track in an off week for the A series or something like that. Is there coming up? Like when NIS is like, or do they have all the A? They would be pretty much set, wouldn't it, for the season? Or no, it's pro- season, season by season. It's season by season. What are we? Are we coming up on season three next? Right. So maybe it might be whatever the next off week is for NIS. Maybe Chicago might be the track that they go there. I don't know. That's up to the community managers. There's there's you know a group of community managers that end up selecting the schedules. iRacing takes the final approval, but they they take their submissions. There was a forum well, post it, where they were saying they might do it for the IndyCar, um, swap it out for Nashville coming up. I'm sure at some point they'll try to run IMSA there as well. Yeah, Indy doesn't have all the cars there, all the track scan that they would go through a full schedule, right? Well, yeah, Nashville. uh, Is Nashville going on this year? Yeah, this would be the first year for Nashville. So, yeah, it would. They wouldn't have that scan. That'll be something down the road, maybe that that becomes an awesome possibility for NASCAR eventually. Could you have an IndyCar NASCAR weekend or something at one of these road courses? That would be pretty cool. Now, at Nashville, they're trying to get it back at the fairgrounds. So that might be one of the reasons. Oh not, yeah, that yeah, might be one of the reasons they're just not in that. a rush to go for the um, for the mile and a half or 
scrap that idea. Another idea that uh, never seems to get scrapped in any of their builds is uh, trying to find where Steve Myers and Dale Jr. are hanging out. Uh, and it looks like NASCAR showed it on the broadcast that uh, they're obviously, is it a helipad on one of the buildings or is it just one at the top of the buildings there? Um, just standing there. Uh, still their old pictures from the first day <laughs> they started doing this, I guess. Um, but it's good to have them uh, somewhere in the somewhere in the world uh, of each track. Yeah, so uh, that used it's used to be the Sears Tower in Chicago. I don't know if it's still called that. I think it was renamed by a different ownership group or something. But yeah, that's that's the building they're all the way at the top of. And man, they got a great view of the track up there. It's almost like being in a blip. Yeah, does Sears even exist anymore? No, mm, not really. So they need to come up with some kind of symbol like Prince did when he was formerly known as Prince. Batman. It'll be the Batman Tower. So James Davison dominated the road course pro, and he's also extended his lead, it looks like, in the points, right? And Timmy Hill with his G29, or formerly G29, is running second. Garrett Smith leads in third. Um, And that's pretty interesting because we were racing two of them back in Daytona. Yeah, I actually uh, sent a Twitter to the James Davison to invite him on the show. I didn't hear back. David, uh, Anthony Alfredo, who was also part of that, was in seven. So it looks like the ones that are heavily involved in the sim are definitely obviously on top here than the, than the actual pros that are more, you know. They're, some of those pros are anti-sim, not anti-sim, but I guess more not as much time as some of these other guys spend on it. Well, and some of it's a little bit generational. These guys kind of grew up on the sim, whereas the other guys grew up only in the cars. And so it's just a little bit easier probably for that generation to make the leap back and forth. All right. Next up, um, we saw the uh, times at the Coke 600. And uh, you know how last week we talked about they had all those play uh, play seat rigs set up. Uh, for fans to, you know, put up a hot lap. Well, they have a display that shows, you know, the fastest times. And uh, I found a couple pictures on the Internet that show the the display with the fastest times. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, some of the names up there, it's kind of hard to see, but the, the first one says Zane Smith, Austin Hill, Jesse Iwuji, um, John Hunter Nemechek, Corey LaJoy, Noah Gragson, Sheldon Creed. I can't read the other ones. Josh uh, Berry, Harrison Burton. And then later, Riley Brian, we, we got an update to those times. Yeah, I guess uh, everybody figured out that the Coke, the Coke Series drivers are pros because they're really good. And uh, Jimmy Mullins was there. He stopped by the qualifying cha- challenge. And, yeah, what you know, what? he found himself at the top of the leaderboard. He uh, he took top dog and uh, set the fast time in uh, in the uh, hot lap at the uh, Charlotte race. So we got Jimmy Mullis, then Josh Weinrich, Briar LaPrade, Patrick Moose, Zane Smith, then Austin Hill, then Dylan Holland, then John Hunter, Corey LaJoy, Noah Gregson. Moose is on uh, in NIS, and he one of the upper top split Moose uh, drivers that I always see. Yeah, that rings a bell. All those guys are 
iRacers, I think, that we just named. Yeah, Mullis runs in an alternate account when he's, when he's doing NIS. But I don't know if these were the final results. Uh, this was sent before the race was over. Um, so I don't know if anyone knows what the final results are. That'd be cool to see. Yeah, I just checked the uh, NIS stats. Patrick's sitting 17th this year. I'm next, aren't I? All right, so Operations Motorsports needs your help. Um, if you have any functioning sim racing gear that you're not using, uh, Operation Motorsports is actually going to let you help vets by donating your functioning iRacing gear to vets who can use them to join the iRacing service. So this is basically goodwill for iRacing. Yeah, I saw this this week. Um, I think it was the bearded iRacer on Twitter put this out and... A few people saw it, and um, I think Nick Morris, Nick Morris, uh, who we've talked to before, he uh, actually donated, sent in, said he sent in a wheel to him, brought away. And so, I, you know, if you have extra sim equipment, old stuff, let's get it sent in so these veterans can get on iRacing with us. Um, it's, it's an outreach. Uh, I actually reached out to the guy in charge of it. It's operationmotorsport.org. Uh, there is a document file or a downloadable document file in the script. And if you click the download button, you'll open up a Word document that tells basically all about their uh, organization and their charity. Um, they basically try to get these veterans into race cars, uh, real race cars, sim race cars. The sim thing is kind of a new thing. Uh, that they're trying to get going. Uh, they got a league going for these guys, and uh, you know anything helps. A uh, PC monitor, in, a wheel, pedals, anything you got um, is what they're looking for. So uh, you can find out more information at their website at operationmotorsport.org, or like I said, on our script we have their the the document as well as the website. Pretty cool. I I don't have anything really to donate, but I I would want to. I think I still have my uh, G27 sitting in the closet, but it's it would definitely need to be refurbished. Well, it's always good to have a backup equipment, right? So, yeah, let's get the word out try to help those guys out. Uh, next one is a quick hit. Just a kind of a, a reminder that came up I saw on the forums, but it doesn't really make sense. But if you want to hear gravel, you know, hitting the underside of your car in the, in the wheel wells and, and you don't hear it, it's because you have to go into the graphics and set particles to high. <laughs> now, how does that make sense? You're like, hmm, I want to hear something, but I'm going to go into graphics and fix it. Yeah, it's not intuitive at all. Why do you think they do it that way? You can't hear them if you can't see them? You got to see them to hear them? Probably a graphics rendering thing in memory. So if it, if it has to render it more, it takes up more resources, right? Well, yeah, not just the graphics, but but having more sounds also takes up more memory and processing power. That's why they separated. Didn't they separate the sound now in its own core? Uh, yeah, the sound runs on a separate core, but yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but it's if it doesn't, if the processor is, if the if the simulator is not simulating that there's a particle there, it's not going to know that it needs to make a sound there. That's what I'm saying. Is 
there's nothing to hear if, you, if there's nothing to see. So you got to see it first. So you have to go to graphics and turn it on. <laughs> well, that's because the sim doesn't see it, right? The sim doesn't know it's there, the, the system. Yeah, it's basically because if you go to, if you have everything on minimum, it's basically a generic sim. It doesn't look, there's nothing, you, you wouldn't know that you're running anything over because it's just, it's not even there at all. It, there's, there's no, if you turn particles off in general, you don't even know, you can't even see like rubber on the track, nothing like that. So why would it make a sound if you're not willing to see it? All right, guys, uh, here's a Twitter uh, poll that iRacing put out. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, so iRacing tweeted a poll asking if drivers lean into a corner when racing. So their options were, yes, it helps with grip, or no, it looks ridiculous. So, uh, so when you're racing and you and you make that left hand turn in the turn one, is your whole body or your head leaning in that corner with it? You know, uh, obviously, uh, you're not really feeling any g force or anything like that that would make you have to do that. Um, so, uh, so what do you guys do? Um, so the poll results came out with, uh, yes, it helps with grip. Uh, at the time that we uh, snapshotted this, it was 79.3%. And no, it looks ridiculous. It was down to 207 So apparently, uh, three-quarters almost of, of drivers lean into their corners when they're, uh, when they're driving. So uh, I don't know if that's just just uh, muscle memory type of thing. You know, you're used to, used to uh, doing that in a car maybe. Or if you have any experience driving, of course, you'd probably be doing that. We see that in the uh, Coke series races when they're broadcasted. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of those guys really lean pretty hard in there. So, uh, what do you guys think about this uh, poll and the results? I actually lean the opposite way because I want to pretend I'm Brian and have a motion rig. <laughs> I thought it was the big because they're big wallet tree sitting on the one side and it makes you lean. <laughs> Anyways, no. When uh, if you watch the broadcast and you see Garrett Smidley do it, kind of is excess, excessive, right? When you see him, he leans on his uh, rig when he's uh, turning. I don't subconsciously. I don't know if I actually do lean. I know I pull pull on the steering wheel when I'm braking backwards. Like if you're braking and you're you kind of pulling up because you're pushing on the brake, and you know, and I move forward when I'm going for, uh, forward. But I don't know if I actually lean because my seat doesn't really allow me to do much of a, of a full lean. Well, a lean can be the nod of the head. You're like, you know. That's true, yeah. I mean, if I nod my head, though, my VR goes that way. <laughs> my mostly I, mine would be moving my head to look. Yeah, but if, if you're in VR and you're leaning like that, you're actually kind of matching it's the true. angle of a bank turn. So you might That's be doing true. it without even thinking about it, Craig. Um, I, I would say uh, without really thinking about whether I do or not, I probably – probably do but um your rig helps you though i think so yeah it does (laughs) so yeah so i think it's the interesting question that they put out there and uh and uh, a lot of results on it on it so over six thousand votes or three thousand votes at the time it was taken so i think i flop around like a fish is what i call it the seat kind of holds me in place you know moving left to right to a degree uh but especially on a uh, a course i'm not comfortable with like a road course or something yeah i if i'm not paying attention i'll look at myself and pay attention i'm you know i got my right hip up or i got my left hip up or 
or whatever and yeah yeah it's just a mess and when i started streaming and putting the camera on on me i started realizing some of those quirks that i do and and was really conscious about it all of a sudden and so now i don't even do the camera anymore because i just don't want to think about it so I don't think we need to dive into too much details in here, but we're going to present an article here from racers.com that basically is just every detail and recap of the history of the fiasco last week with the Camaros. Um, we talked about it. They knew about the air beforehand, but went ahead and ran the race and then had a drop week after the fact. Uh and this is the whole review of it. What's interesting is you get down to the bottom, you can get some of the summaries. Um, we, we talked a little bit about it on, on Shieldhouse's video, but I kind of I do agree with him that that the uh, his statement towards the end is that we're not the equality assurance testers, we're not the beta testers. Um, that was an interesting point. And Dale Earnhardt had a quote that it reminds him back when you had to run Hoosier at Charlotte. Um, for one year, or you weren't going to win, but some people still stayed with Goodyear out of loyalty. Well, it was like the Michelin Bridgestone problem they used to have it in the Indy car or in F1 uh, at Indy the one year when only five, when only six cars could start the Formula One race when you had the wrong tire or something like that. You gotta you gotta have a level playing field, especially for those guys. It should have been a level playing field. So it, it's disappointing that it went that way, but. You know, mistakes happen in in 11, 12 years of iRacing. That's their biggest screw up so far of, you know, having an event that seemed kind of, you know, fixed for some and not for others, but it happens. And now we just got to move on. It's a great article by racer.com where it really follows uh, at the beginning of the article, Blake Reynolds and Alan Bowes, um, who are with Dead Zone. And how they came to know the problem, basically. Um, they're the ones who kind of figured it out as they went through testing. They ended up, you know, switching cars and trying different things, and other teammates would switch cars. And and that's how they narrowed down what the problem was and, and eventually communicated it to iRacing. And, and then the out, you know, then how did it flow from there and the outcome of it? There also was a note in there that some teams that run Chevy were actually able to switch to Ford for that race, and they just came up with a, a temporary paint. Uh, some teams were not able to switch because of sponsorship obligations. Anyway, it's a fascinating article if you want more details about how it went down. Okay, so you may or may not have heard of DanLisa.com, and um if you've been around iRacing at all at some point, you might have seen it. But it's basically a third-party website that can help score leagues, iRacing leagues, um, where you can adjust scoring for, you know, specific league rules or whatever. Maybe you want to do a chase or something. But it's just a, a, it's a place for league admins and league members to get information about points. And so basically, um, we've heard that they're looking for new ownership, as reported in the forums by Tim Fortner. So have you guys seen this website? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think Winter Series oh, yeah. uses it, don't they? they? They would always post a link to with the Winter Series that we would run. With This is where they kept the standings. 
Yeah, OBRL uses uh, Lisa uh, as well. And I think the new IROC series that we just started last week is using it as well. So it's it's really popular, especially especially if you've been doing leagues, you really notice that you've probably seen it a bunch of times before. And so they're really looking for somebody to kind of pick up the pieces and, and run with it. Um, now, my immediate thought was Rob Crouch from Australia would be the perfect person to do this. He's the guy who does all the stats that we talk about. And this is basically a stat machine. And so uh, he did weigh in on this thread and say, if he did do it, it would have to be a paid service. Um, and that's the other thing, Brian, is there were other people that said, hey, we have uh, alternatives to Dan Lisa. And one of those yes. is, oh, sorry, one of those is <laughs> yes, the My League. Are we getting, we're getting a little mixed up on who's supposed to take which order or, or article. Uh, I threw um, it to the next one in the line. Uh, and that would be Brian. So, ah, <laughs> I'm ahead. So yeah, so there are other solutions out there. If Dan Lisa happens to uh, have, if we get more catastrophic news from that that uh, website, um, one of them is a scoring system called Extreme Scoring. It's just Extreme Scoring, and um, it's a uh, paid. It's a paid version. It does everything Dan Lisa does and, and a ton more, actually. The widgets are amazing, and scoring combinations are nearly limitless for oval and road. So past seasons can even be imported to uh, for uh, Dan Lisa users as well. So if you've been use, using Dan Lisa and you want to import some uh, previous results or something like that, you can uh, switch them over to extreme scoring. And I was looking at the other alternative when I got all confused where we were on the script. Um... This one's called My League, which gives you the ability to register management drivers' teams, define your own classes, results, standings, and league articles. And um, it looks like, I think it's all web-based? I think all these are, yeah. Uh, they have a better uh, URL. You know, that I had never understood the Dan Lisa. Like, is his name Dan and his wife's name is Lisa? So that's the best thing they could come up with was danlisa.com. That's where my money would be if I was uh, trying to uh, come up with an explanation. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for historical reasons, I, it'd be great if somebody could pick up where they left off because it has been a free resource for the community for so long. Um, you know, it's been around as long as I've been on iRacing, if not longer. So um, it'd be great if somebody could uh, figure out what to do there. So if you're interested, go find that thread and contact the guy, uh, Dan. I think his email is dan at danlisa.com. Well, we got half of that puzzle figured out if his name's Dan, right? <laughs> yeah, well, see, I was right. Uh, they they did mention in the in the uh, post that it that it requires that you have website with uh, PHP and MySQL. And I don't know what those mean, but they uh, it requires that you have experience with both of those things in order to uh, take over that website. Okay, and next one is the IR18AI has been requested in the forums. Um, they want a thread uh, asking iRacing to offer AI for the IndyCar. And although it's something they're actively working on, according to staffer Alex Saunders, the IndyCar is probably the single most complicated car on iRacing to put on AI, thanks to all the different configurations, the push-to-pass, and the tire compounds. But they're working on it. That's good to hear. So, yeah, so I'm sure this. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. 
I was just going to say, I'm sure this had a lot to do with the uh, Indy 500 week. People wanting to get some practicing in with uh, um, AI cars, but you know, it's it's so sorely missing. But uh, apparently, it's it's really difficult to do with all those um, push to pass and tire compound options that they have. It's probably not the easiest car to model and uh, have uh, AI cars really uh, uh, do do it properly. I guess. Let's take a minute and let's ask you about AI in general. I mean, is it is it a is it a good experiment? I mean, we've had several cars now have AI. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And don't care. I mean, I, I've used it, but not much really. I thought when I when AI came around that I was going to use it a little bit more. Maybe because it's still incomplete in most of the series and stuff. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have every track. Um, and every time it's got some updates or something to it, I just think that the IndyCar series would be a lot, you know, you, you know, you could get some better practicing in, um, around cars to try and, cause that, that series is so hard to pass people in when you get into an actual race with some guys that, you know, usually if someone's trying to go past, uh, on a road course, they either wreck or the other guy just gives up and gives them the spot. Um, but I don't know AI. I just thought AI was we were. I was going to use it more. I don't know about you guys. I just I've I pictured myself using it more than I actually have. I think what we were hoping to use it for mostly was getting getting that practice in draft, but it's just uh, finding the right skill level to where they can, they can keep the same pace as you when you're trying to see how the car behaves in in a heavy pack. Just didn't work out. Uh, luckily, we've you know we've kind of found what we need in the set to feel like it in light traffic as long as there's not a Chevy glitch. I, when I've gone to use AI, I'm looking for cars that aren't there typically or tracks that aren't there or that kind of thing. And I think initially our reaction was, uh, you know, NASCAR practice. Hey, you know, we got Martinsville this week, you know, so we, we go and we do AI Martinsville, but it hasn't really worked out that way. Yeah. What really makes over racing over racing is the interactions, right? You can, I mean, you can sit there and run lap after lap after lap at Martinsville, but or or Charlotte, but a lot of it ends up coming down to interactions and experience and knowing the drivers. And you know, we've we've gotten to this point this year, at least up in the upper splits, where you know you know the drivers and you kind of know what's gonna you can you can kind of know who's who are the ones to just be careful around and who you can be patient around and so on. Um, that's just hard to simulate with AI. I just think it's hard for David to run AI because there's no one to, to protest in AI if he wants to protest. <laughs> but I can also intentionally wreck him if I want. <laughs> then you won't they'll file a protest against you. <laughs> um, I think I've actually found myself using it more and more recently. Um, if, uh, if I want to do a practice session, I, I and um, it's it's a track that maybe the uh, the uh, current series are not at, so I can't really jump in. So, like uh, if I want to practice for this IROC Challenge race tonight, it's the trucks at uh, Atlanta. Well, there's no current series of that going on right now, so I can't really race against anybody live. So I did do a practice session with that last night just to get some laps in. It's a it's a fixed setup race, so I don't have to worry about working on setups or anything. Um, 
which I would probably do by myself if that was the case. But um, so with a fixed setup, you know, I don't really have to work on setups. I'm just driving mine and driving around other cars. So I've actually been using it a little bit more lately than I have been when uh, it first came out. And I think part, part of the reason is is that uh, there are more, more tracks are available now, more are available now to pick from. And, you know, you have a better chance of getting the combination that you want to hit. So uh, I have been using it a little bit more. Um, I think my racing is a little bit different than you guys who do a lot of open uh, setup races and uh, and you know sticking to the the schedules for the um, series like the NIS and the open series and stuff like that. I think Brian has a kind of hit on the head, hit the nail on the head there because most of our series, like you know, Mike, when we sign up for a league race, if we're racing the racing league, we try and find ones that kind of follow the NIS schedule so that we're already kind of prepared to race those kind of things. So you're not, you know, you're not that combination. You're going to find that week somewhere to practice. But what Brian's saying is, you know, I want to run this car, this con combination, and you might never see that combination maybe only once a year. And it's not this time, that time of year. Um, maybe the actual AI racing is really beneficial to you to be able to go in and just get some laps with something, somebody else around. I want to do AI, but the Delara jet car, the IR01. We need to petition iRacing to change that name for you, Mike. The IR01 just doesn't roll off the tongue and I'm trying to enunciate my syllables, but it still doesn't sound right. IR01. <laughs> I just don't think jet car will be added to it because it doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't have a jet. Damn it. It doesn't have a jet. But if you, well, you really should run, if you go back to running it, you need to run a Batmobile. You should paint it to look like a jet car. Right? Or paint it like the self bomber or paint it like one of the uh, F-18s or something like that or something back then that breaks this sound barrier. Or paint it like one of those land rockets that uh, was it through the salt flats. I can tell you one thing you don't need with AI usually is uh, live admins. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, one thing uh, you could do, Mike, uh, you could have a poll in the forums that uh, ask if they, the jet car would be a good idea or not. Um, uh, there is another uh, forum um, poll that was put up by Jamie Bowling. He produced a poll in the forums, and he asked that um, – he says that I think iRacing should have some kind of admin or something in public rooms about who causes cautions, and we won't lose uh, SR or IR when it wasn't our fault. So he was uh, pretty adamant that – I'm assuming he's been collected in, in quite a few wrecks. Um, I can sympathize with that for sure. So uh, should there be live admins in these sessions to uh, kind of blame – Put, put fault at people's feet. Um, the four, the uh, poll results came back uh, against what he's thinking. Uh, at twenty percent, for said yes, we should have live admins, and eighty percent said no. So uh, they didn't go with that. And I think there's a lot of reasons, and not of, and I don't think any of the reasons are that you know there's no sympathy for people who are getting these SR hits and IR hits when they're getting collected in other people's messes. So I don't think that's the reason people are voting for it. I just don't think it's a practical solution. So uh, I think that's where he's getting uh, these no votes from. What do you guys think? Two things. And I'm going to, I'm going to harp on these really, really hard. Number one, 
where's the money going to come from to get these people to do the live admin? Because a lot of people don't do things for free. So where's that extra revenue going to be collected to accommodate for every single series that we run? Are you just going to do pick one thing? So then say they do it in the oval side, then what it's going to be harpening is the roadside is going to be complaining they don't have live admins. The other problem with live admins is who, what happens if that person is a friend of somebody in that room? They, are they going to be 100% biased? Who, who runs the live admins? Who, who, who keeps them in line to, to, to do it properly and to do the job that they're supposed to? Who reviews them? And number, That's exactly three, right. number three, I'm not going to take the opinion of a guy who's been here less than six months and hasn't raced, you know, I, I like that he's brought this up. He's probably had some bad wrecks, but he's been a member of iRacing for, for six months and really hasn't done, you know, maybe he maybe he's done a thousand races here, but maybe he's just sort of had a hundred poor races and that's where he's having the problems with. If you want live adminning, go to the leagues that do it great. We've, we've you know, Mike, David and I were running the fast track um, league that seems to be run perfectly well. Brian, you run in the OBRL. They've always done a great job adminning their own stuff. Find a league for that. iRacing can't afford to pay hundreds of people to do this job. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, just the cost side of it, but the whole part about who's going to police the police, you know, um, that's why I don't run a lot of leagues because. You know, they, they oh, we'll clear the black flag of my buddy here. You know, he, he's on the team. Uh, he, he sped on pit road, but he didn't mean to. So we're going to clear his flag. Or another time, oh, uh, the son of the league owner just got disconnected. So we're going to delay the, the green flag until he can reconnect. You know, just stuff like that. I mean, it's just a little, uh, you know it becomes biased and and you see that in leagues whether they mean to or not i mean because everyone's human that's kind of why i like official racing where there isn't admins let the computer make the decision they're not biased i'm guessing also david maybe this guy's had some problems on track that haven't gone his way you know maybe even protest wise that's why it's kind of made him feel that way and and you know make you seem like i'm not i'm, I'm saying to david because david you know does uses the protest system pretty well on here and has gotten some results and not gotten some good results from it and we we're all don't like the protest system but i think after six months this person this person might not know the ins and out of iRacing 100 percent to know if you like it or not all right i gotta defend myself um I use the protest system because, by golly, if I'm going to get the time that I got for the stupid thing that I got it for, then everybody else is, too. It's just that simple. And the rate of actual success is actually really high. Um because I don't, I, I know, for one thing, I know what they're going to accept and what they're going to reject now. So I, I usually don't send it in unless I think it's going to go through. Um, but that's, they say that's what they want. They say they don't want you taking care of it on the track, right? They, they want, that's, they, they, I've heard them in the race. I've heard Nim Cross in a race say, this is what we want you to do. We want you to send it in. We do not want you to, to go handle it yourself. So th that's, that's the route I take. Um, 
in this my idea a couple of weeks ago about an an, uh, an idiot box or a what a idiot protest section would be great too. But you run into the same cost issue that it would be. It takes up a lot of time. But it's just like I'll talk about it later. But I got taken out today in in the NIS race by a guy who's just hounding before we get to turn three. He runs me over in turn three of the first lap and says, oh, it was netcode. I'm like, why are you hounding me when there's four cars two by two in front of me? I'm not going to hold anybody up, but it's just the first lap. Um, And I didn't even really get a chance to try to let him go. He's already running me over. And he didn't finish the race, by the way. I, I went back and checked. It's the over the headset. It's a long race, guys. No need to take take it easy on the first lap, kind of person. Die, 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 die. Yeah, and then, and then he runs you over. Comes in turn one and takes the three wide. <laughs> no, he was probably on the intercom before the race. Said, "Hey guys, let's uh, take it easy." <laughs> I'm only out here for a safe <laughs> there's, no, um, there's no ra- there's no real. There's no side by side at, at Sonoma. You, you, you. Everybody has their pace, and when somebody catches you, you just get out of the way because if you start trying to race them, you're going to spin yourself out if you don't wreck them. You know, it's a hard, hard track. So you, you take what the track will give you, and you just let everybody else go, and hope they show you the same respect. So I don't, you know, in 45 laps, I don't. It's silly, but we're way off tangent. But yeah, yeah that so. goes in the way. What an idiot box. Hold on, Mike, just before we go here, Jamie Bowling here, you know, posting this. I don't want to seem like I'm hard on you because you've only been around six months, but, you know, I'm just saying there's, this is not an, this is not your first time posting or not the first time that this has been posted, but you might not realize the actual cost in doing this for the sim. Um, You've, you've, you know, you've made six months worth of payments or whatever you have a year thing. And, you know, that payment really hasn't equivalent to anything uh, in the sim over the years wise. Like it's, you know, your one amount there wouldn't cover an administrator for a year. Like his, his yearly subscription wouldn't cover an administrator for a year. What I find fascinating about this post is, is reading between the lines. It's his first forum post, this guy. So we have a brand new iRacer and he goes to the forums, and, and what is his concern? I mean, what is the very first thing that he's going to post about and his biggest concern? And, and and why would it be live admins? I mean, and it's probably just because the rookie racing is just so horrible, and it's so hard to get out of rookies without, you know, being discouraged. But once you do and you get up in the upper ranks, it's, it's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah I, I and up. he is... Sorry, he is a young racer, relative. I mean, not young in age, but new to the service. So he's, like, like Greg said, it's it's an idea that's not necessarily a fresh idea, but in his mind, it is fresh. You know, when new new guys come in, they're going to usually have fresher ideas, even though some of them have probably the more experienced people have seen before. Just so, so, looking. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say. So my advice to Jamie is, um, you know, just just be patient. Oh, we all go through this. Um, we all take hits on SR and IRs and stuff that we had nothing to do with. Um, I know it can be frustrating and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe start looking at leagues, Jamie, if, if it's something you want a little bit better, cleaner racing, maybe with a more, uh, control about what goes on in the race. So, um, there's other ways to get around it. Um, 
and uh, just be patient, Jamie, and take your time, and it'll come. So just just keep working on your craft, and you'll be good. And when you want to work SR, don't worry about IR. When you want to work IR, don't worry about SR. Now, I do have a question because I've been doing some research here in the background while we've been talking. I want to know what Sir, what he's thinking, you know, what live admin is going to do for he has he's a dirt oval specialist his majority of his races are dirt oval so that's a pretty contact series any of the dirt ovals racing is pretty much contact so you know jamie i i know things are tough but you know you're in dirt oval imagine coming i, I don't know what you'd like you would think when you're coming to oval and road but it's you know dirt oval is uh um, it is contact no matter what you kind of do in all all the, all the series. I don't even know if, if you watch all those outlaw races, they're pretty contact sports too, or pretty contact. All right, so let's go on to our favorite iRacing sponsored car, I guess we would say. Um, Ty Majeski's at it again. Uh, his late model, uh, he, he, he gets it done at Jefferson uh, Speedway in Cambridge, Wisconsin, winning again. Um, and incredible race. And I don't know, this car looks like it's more sponsored up than his last couple races that he's had. But uh, great images of him with beside the car, driving around with the checkered flag in, in the window and everything. So congratulations, Ty Majeski, again with the iRacing colors on the car and taking a win. Yeah, well done. He just keeps tearing it up in those colors. We have uh, listener mail with a cup with some announcements. Y'all guys realize it's week twelve. Coming quick. Yeah. So next week's week thirteen. Show listener Scott Ross. He's going to be setting up some fun races Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He's going to be spending his iRacing credits that he gets for it, um, and he plans on hosting some tour modified races with fixed setups on the road courses at Charlotte Roval, Laguna Seca, and Phoenix Road. Um, he plans on opening the practices at 8.30 Eastern with the races beginning at 9.30 Eastern. And then I'm not going to reread the mail because it basically says that. Yeah, pretty cool. I never thought of doing tour mods on road course, but kind of a short oval thing. Well, it's, um, one of the fun things that you do at week, week 13 is the ridiculousness stuff, like having LMPs and MX-5s on the same track. <laughs> Where it literally, <laughs> it literally is dodgeball. All right, so he's going to race those races Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, guys. Go out there and help Scott Ross uh, fill that room up, and uh, let's have a good race. So I'm assuming it's open, no passwords or nothing. And I, I guess what would you search Scott Ross as the, uh, as the admin to get I, find yeah, his race? Yeah, probably. He didn't say anything specifically, but I would guess so. That's usually the easiest way is just you can I don't know if you can do it in the in the beta UI. Yes, I'm still going to call it the beta UI, but on the website, you can still uh, the UI. you can sort it by um, columns. OK, uh, next up, a Formula V intro video. iRacing dropped this today. It's the uh, official introduction video of the new Formula V rookie class open wheel road racing car. It will be available in the season three build next week. And it's going to be a free car to everybody. It looks like fun. I, watching the video, I was impressed. I can't remember. Did this, is this going to take the skip barber completely out then? 
No, because no, the Skip Barber is, is not a rookie car. I guess, yeah. The rookie car, Skip Barbers are Ds. Yeah, but this is going to be free to everybody. So anybody can, everybody will be getting this car uh, if you want to try it out. So, uh, and I'm assuming probably since it's rookie class, all the tracks that it runs on are probably going to be ones that were uh, introductory free tracks as well. I like the idea of starting over uh, on my road career just because I kind of suck and you know what better way to do it than to start with this car and run the series for the the 12 weeks and then work your way up you know to the skip barber and so forth and then do a season in each car you know and work your way all the way to that Delara jet car I like you know all the way up so uh, it's kind of a neat idea you know I'm toying with it um, watching this video it looks like a fun car um, I, I'm anxious to try it when I first started down the path that ended up in the sports cars, that was exactly what started it was how god awful I was at, at the road courses and the stock cars. And I'm, I'm not, I'm still not at Greg level, but I'm a, I'm way better at, even at, even in the stock car at the road courses than I used to be. Uh, but I've learned that I actually pretty excel really well with the sports cars, especially the LMP. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it ends up being fun. But I came up, you know, running the MX fives. Got a, I think my first win ended up being an MX five before I got it in one of the oval cars. I think my first road win came in that Solstice. That car was <laughs> the original Solstice stuff races. But um, so Mike, are we getting that here in the straight? So you're going to work your way up from. So we're going to call this the Formula, the Formula Lawnmower Moat. Mo series and then go up to the the formula jet series where you kind of from start to finish weed eater like it it's a new stream stream you got going there eh we should uh see if we can petition iRacing to give him a road reset and make him a rookie again oh no i i want to keep that a license that took forever to get yeah nowadays you want to keep the well actually you get it up pretty quick here nowadays before you wanted to keep it um Remember when we ran Bristol Dirt and I have what what I have a B license now after running like <laughs> five races? No, a C license. David's on top of the uh, Dirt King. He's a Dirt King now just because he <laughs> started out in rookie and got all the way to the top. <laughs> in one week, Bristol. <laughs> yeah, I ran one week of Bristol and went from rookie to C class. Okay, so we're getting close, guys, to the Project K9 Hero 200. It's a week from this Friday. So not tomorrow night, but a week from tomorrow night, um, 9 p.m. Eastern, Michigan. And um, it's going to be the Cup and the Xfinity. And you have to register a, a Google Doc, a Google Doc form. And we have the link in the show notes, as well as you can find the link at our homepage at iRacersLounge.com. It's on the homepage even, not even just in the show notes. Uh, there's also a link to where you make the donation for $25 to the Project Canine. Um, and so you got to get signed up if you're going to race. And we got all kinds of prizes, guys. Um, so each class gets its own prize for pole, which is a $20 iRacing credit. Uh, the winner of each class gets spotlights from Midwest Simulations. Best paint. Uh, gets a free paint job from U-House Racing Designs. 
And we just added $75 per class on most positions gained with no incidents, thanks to Metro Ford of Chicago from the OBRL. So we yeah, got some a- purse, baby. So I love it. And I'm going to give a thanks to Patrick Milligan. He's a, he's the OBRL driver who is the owner of Metro Ford Chicago. So thank you, Patrick. He does a lot of, lot of help with the OBRL league and he's given us a big hand to, to get this thing up and run as well. And the idea guys, we, we, you know, we're adding all this, these prizes, thanks to Patrick and everybody, you know, the idea is fill the room. You know, we want to fill the room. We want 43 drivers. I, I think Coney, Last time I heard was 22, um, so we're about halfway there. So we need to fill the room, guys, and we need to get this uh, charity uh, to be a success. So if you haven't signed up, now is the time. When you're listening to this, go find those links. Join us, and uh, you're going to have fun. Now, I'm going to sit up in the, in, the, in the camera and show off my shirt I'm wearing the Project Canine shirt from last year. I went and found it in my closet today. And I got to say, it's like the most silkiest, smooth shirt I've, I've, I have. It's not a typical T-shirt. It's not cotton. It's like, uh, I don't know if it's a polyester or what, but it's I love it. It's probably a label that tells you what it is. There you go. But, uh, yeah, you get a free shirt, of course, so... Uh, make sure to sign up, guys. Yeah, you did mention, Mike, these are two classes, right? That's uh, A and B cars running together on the same track. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely signed up already. I know Mike is. Um, so come join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Now, an event that uh, I guess it went on today, wasn't it, uh, for this Porsche thing they showed it this afternoon or something? Uh, just trying to bring it up here. Yeah. Um, for the GT... The new 911 GT3 or GT3R, um, I guess they did a popular stream on the twitch.tv slash Porsche uh, where they had a bunch of um, influencers and, uh, you know, an all-star special is what they can call it. So they had, a you know, like streamers like Gamer Muscle, um, Dave Gamer, uh, or Dave Cam, Dave Gamer, all those things like that. There's a bunch of them streaming, and I guess to show off the card. Did you guys take a you know look at it? Yeah, yeah, I watched this. Um, kind of a neat way to you know get some hype up over the car and an impromptu race uh, with the All Star crew who we saw throughout the uh, Porsche season um, to get into this new car and kind of get it on track and to see how it races now. For, from my point of view, you know, every Porsche looks the same. I'm sorry. I, I really don't know the differences. Uh, this looked just like the other ones they were running, and and I'm sure somebody can tell me what the difference is, but I don't know. I have a feeling this one will be more of a – have a little bit more downforce than their cup car. Um, if it's a GT3, right, David, there's no anti-lock brakes on GT3s, right? That would be, no, the GT3 has the anti-lock. The GTE you know, has does the not. Okay, yeah. GTE. So – you know, this car will actually be pretty fun to drive around. I bet you it's going to be one of the more popular uh, road cars coming up for this next season. Yeah, pretty neat uh, way to kind of get the car out there before it's released next week. So, I, Do you see, Mike, that there's going to be a bunch of, you know, Porsche seems to like to take, 
you know, care of their, you know, the, the, in the sim here and have a bunch of events with it? Do you think there, obviously there's going to be some major series with these probably too? I would think so. Um, so it's going to be a busy week for sure, trying to dissect all the new changes. Next is podcast housekeeping. Don't forget Aftermath. Uh, I think they record tomorrow, or no, Saturday. Um, check them out. They're a different podcast feed. You have to find them. Uh, you can get the Midwest Simulation Spotlights. If you don't win them in the canine race, you can buy them from Scott and get 10% off if you use the iRacers Lounge as a coupon code. And we are at the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay. Brian, let's talk fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Yeah, so uh, Scott Rizdog is still at the top of the standings with uh, 2,909 points. Justin Times holds on to second. Oh, baby, 44 is in third place. Scotty Boy is in fourth. And lurking in fifth, he's coming up. Tony Groves and TGI Racing. So Tony's starting to make his late season comeback. Looks like um, Adam Jocelyn, uh, Tony's the top Tafosi. Uh, Tafosi got uh, so far. Uh, Adam Jocelyn's in seventh. Jedi McFly, Chris, G- Chris Gales in eighth. Um, and Greg, you're in the top 10 and ninth place right now. Yeah, that had to be the biggest jump for me in a while. I think I was 12th or 13th last week, so I jumped all the way to ninth. But who kind of didn't predict? I took almost everybody that started up in the front of that race and kind of just, you know, they were pretty much top 10s of the people that all started there. Like, I picked Larson to win it. I picked Hendrick to be the top Chevy I think I missed the Toyota one and the Ford, but you know, it was kind of self-explanatory how that race went. Yeah. Um, it's getting to the point now where if you pick Hendricks for everything, you're going to do really well. Hendrick, right, Dave. Um, so if you, if you, if you stay on that, you're going to be fine. Um, and, uh, I think a lot of people are just going to be riding the Hendrick cars as long as they they keep their dominance going and if you do you're going to do great um the the winner of the week this week had had a ton of points and you know that's um, that's what they had to do is is uh, pick these hendrick cars and uh and you're going to score a lot of points so uh uh so until until the their dominance uh, comes to an end and hopefully it happens before the end of the season um to make it a little bit more interesting for for some of the other manufacturers and other other teams and cars, uh, you just got to ride this pony out, right? Just stay with those guys for as long as you can have them uh, have have them on your roster without running out of times to use them. I mean, William Byron is like a top five, top ten machine right now, and obviously <laughs> Chase is up there. Bowman's been doing good, but you also have. Any one point, it seems to be almost any track Larson's good at. As long as he he finishes the race, he's in the top five. Looks like Chris Scales is still falling through the standings. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, let's talk hardware and software. Got a company review with some new pedals. They're basically just a review on the pedals. SimRigs presents the SR Titan pedal, and it's 700 bucks. And at a glance, 
I'm feeling overpriced. I think Tom, I think uh, if Tony was here, he'd really be jumping on this. But it's a it's a set of load cell pedals. Uh, they look nicely done, but I don't know about that kind of money for the load cells. As I, as when I look at them, there there seems to be not a whole lot of adjustability uh, to them. So I think there's some better deals you can get in the load cell department. But they still look nice. Uh, uh, I'm sure Barry has a, an interesting. Uh, review of them at some point yeah i mean i i agree i mean i think it's a little high for for that type of pedal um you know based on it yeah i would say it should be about half of that but yeah you can't really move the pedal sideways or up and down there's just one lock position for all three of them um i don't see anything on here about being able to put different shape pedals on either now, this company, though, is based out of Australia, and they have simrigs.com, and they have quite a bit of nice product, in, including the uh, uh, JBB pedals. Um, what are they yeah. called? The name of them? No, the JBV uh, series hydraulic sim racing pedals from HPP out of California. So if you're in Australia, you can get those uh, powder blue pedals that I always love looking at. But they're expensive. 2215 it says. I'm not spending $2,000 on a set of pedals like that. Like, cause, Yeah, that's, that's a lot of money from that site. That's half a G-seat and uh, G-belt, right? I love how that's become the standard for your your metric now. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm so tempted to buy it, but I like my current seat because it's so utterly comfortable. You know, the 600 I was never sore. Now, so that price was how much? Now, if you buy it directly from HPP on their website out of California, they're only 1500 for three pedals. And then these guys are probably importing them and having to pay duties, and so that price is for people in Australia, right? So it's which like, it's like when we take it from the states to Canada, and ups everything gets upscaled. Next up, how to do a pit macro? Kendall Kerr asked in the forums if anyone can help figure out how to set a keyboard shortcut for the uh, throw the yellow, or as well as clear black flags. Uh, staffer David Tucker posted links on how to assign macros built into the sim. And I kind of forgot these because I don't have button boxes, but if you have button boxes and stuff, you really need to know how to do this. Everything I do is, is through button box now. So I, I have a clear tires. I have a, a right side tires, right? A clear fuel. It's, it, it becomes very handy. I got to remember to add those back in. I, I used to have them on my keyboard, and when I redid the computer, I never put it back. Um, I forget where I think you, I gotta find all those things again. Well, that's the thing. We have uh, three links here that basically give you all the information you need to get this done. And you want to make it as simple as you can to make your changes when you know you don't need fuel or like a clear everything button when you're serving a penalty. Because when you're running in green flag conditions, when you start having to play with the black box, it's gonna you're either gonna wreck or it's at least gonna hurt your lap time. Because you're, you're breaking your concentration. Yeah, you're missing your turn-in points and your breaking points, definitely. And some tracks, like, if you're trying to make adjustments, like even this week at Sonoma, there is no time to actually do it real quickly. That's why I tend to do the offsets instead of the tire pressures, because I've got those assigned to a button. 
as well as tape. All right, guys. Uh, this next one is called the MS Exclusive. It's uh, the Motorsports Simulator has a uh, product called the MS Exclusive, and it is a full wraparound, full motion, uh, triple monitor SIM cockpit. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a couple of G seats, I would imagine. Um, and this thing is like it's, it's like sitting in a room almost. These uh, monitors on here have got to be what. 50 inch monitors something like that 55 maybe they're, they're gigantic so uh it's it's a massive system maybe 50 yeah mike this yeah. is what you need with your leds that you're using so that you can just put a curtain behind it and get the full effect yeah so it's all enclosed i imagine i the first thing i think is man it's going to be hot well uh, we'll know whatever. in a couple months when brian gets it delivered to his house and installed you know <laughs> Yeah, you just need the wind simulator to cool you down. That's all. I was just gonna say, how do you like? How many pieces would that come in in a package if you're trying to get it down to your basement? Yeah, it's gonna. It's huge. Yeah, I, mean, I don't it's, know. It's massive. So basically, if anybody actually wants immersion in a stock car, you should scrap the the wind simulators because you don't feel the wind in a stock car. It's got this thing called a windshield, right? Um, and you should get a helmet with with the air cooler and then put a space heater by your feet. Then you're then you've got that's a hundred percent immersion. The heat blowing on you. Well you can put a fan on your feet if you're running the Legends uh Monte Carlo. I was gonna say uh Mike's gonna be in Arizona with a space heater but below his feet <laughs> in the middle of this with the air air conditioning going in his house and then also and then he has a wind uh, or his helmet hooked into a <laughs> now we want it we want all that realism right now of all the different wraparound or enclosed cockpits that we've seen I really do like this one the most just because it's roomy it's it's not too enclosed so to speak um i don't know it just looks very professional i wouldn't so uh yeah if you uh if you want a price you gotta you gotta contact them which means it's a ton it's a it's a lot of money um and this is this is one of those uh, great uh, stories that is awesome for our website so if you guys go on the iRacers lounge website uh you could, you'll be able to just scroll down and see this in our show notes. And these are the kind of things that our site's awesome for, to just check these things out so you can, as we're talking about them, see what we're talking about. It's an amazing it's an amazing product. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely not for the uh, for the average uh, average racer. you got to yeah, be a serious. Words don't do it justice. I don't think we can describe how it looks. I mean, you got to see the picture. You know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of without having – it enclosed, but kind of reminds me of arcade an arcade setup with just closing the sides in a bit, the way you used to sit in those arcade things. Yeah, it does have that feel, doesn't it? But climbing in the back instead of climbing in the side, yeah. Now, when I think of iRacing, I think of uh, a Vietnam Vietnamese shifter um, and a Vietnamese company producing here, I guess, uh, <laughs> their, their, their first version, V1, uh, it's a company out of Vietnam. Uh, it's a Vietnamese company. Sorry, um, it's an H pattern shifter, so it's already going away in sim racing. So 
just covering another shifter. I guess we didn't get this one wasn't in the lineup of all the other shifters that we had. Yeah, just but, keep finding uh, them. You know, they're going to keep popping up the more we have. But uh, this one has apparently ample possibilities of different shifter gates on it. So uh, you can change the gate for six speed, probably four speed, um, different ones like that. And they said it also has a gate for uh, being a sequential shifter. So it's a nice, nice uh, setup if you want, if you have everything. Um, you know, I'm guessing, Mike, when you guys wrote this price down, is it 259.95 American? Not sure, but I think so. Yes, it, yes, it is. It is American okay. dollars. Yeah, so um, it's pretty I mean, much that's... on par with the shifter from Fanatec. That has yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's pretty close. Yeah. Well, Fanatec doesn't have the changeable H pattern plates that are no. available on this too. But... but it has all the possibilities. Basically, the gates thing is pretty much an aesthetic thing for you, right? And changing the different types of patterns. Um, but it, it, it's kind of cool. It's, uh, I don't know if you want to describe it. Does it kind of look like it's a 3d printed box? Like it kind of reminds me of a 3d printed it does look uh, 3D printed. casing. I think, I think a it's a cool mold. led on the front. I think it's, I think it's a plastic mold. I don't think it's three, three. Yeah, you're probably right, David. Um, uh, Barry does have a review video on here too. So if you're interested, go check the video out. Yeah, Barry's review. I watched the conclusion uh, only, but he was happy with it. Uh, he thought it was a good price, a good value. Um, he was, you know, he tested it. He was aggressive with it. Um, it looks like a good shifter, actually. I kind of like the two different shift knob options too. That that straight, uh, you know, the the nice. I don't know how to draw it. how to subscribe this without it sounding really bad. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to leave it, but you can take the images off the website. We'll just go from there. But uh, yeah, they, they do have good, two good options for uh, shift knobs. Yeah. I was getting ready to tell, tell Tony to get ready his capture, his sound capture for this one. I'm not, I'm not getting radioed or podcasted here. The, the one that's on the picture to me is I think of a light bulb actually. Oh, I thought you were like the long skinny one. Yes, there it is. So uh, we'll be hearing I, that. I also, Tune into Aftermath, and you'll get to hear that again. Enjoy that one, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. I did watch a, a good bit of Barry's videos, and man, he really he really punishes these uh, shift when he's using them. He's he slams them around. So uh, um, yeah, he 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 puts them through their tests and uh, through puts them through their paces, and it held up pretty good. So he was pretty happy with it it's got a lot of mounting options it can be clamp mounted like on a desk um you know it's got a whole bunch of mounting holes that can be used for um for 80 20 adapters and stuff like that so it's not a, if if you're if you're looking for a shifter and you know you know you're not happy with fanatic um i would definitely look at this one price wise it's pretty similar in price um and looks looks to perform just as well the, the, the nice thing, too, about it is when I look at the actual box and the gated, it kind of reminds me of the Thrustmaster version being gated the way it is. Like, it, it reminds me of the old, like, you know, Ferraris and, the, and the, the Lamborghinis from the early 90s, the way they used to have gated shifters. Um, if you didn't get it in there, you know, you'd be grinding the box and everything. It just kind of reminds me of that look. 
And I know, Greg, that you said that, uh, you know, they're going away from the H-man shifter, but that's really only a cup, right? If you like running trucks or if you like running um, the um, the uh, other cars, the C-Class car, um, they still going to use H-pattern shifters. And if you want to keep that realism for those cars. For yeah, a while. It's worth getting it. Yeah. As soon as they start seeing the cost effectiveness, I'm sure at some point some of these things will change. Well, it's not just cost effectiveness. I mean, how many four speeds are still on the road today, right? I don't think there is a four speed. I think tractors are like maybe the only thing. Yeah, there's not. There a four speed hasn't been around for years. There's always been a five speed, or it was used to be a four speed with overdrive. That this next item, I I know Mike uses something similar to this, if not exactly this brand. We have a cell phone holder. It's uh, offered by Simibox. It's it's on the it's it's called the Etsy, and it's a universal cell phone holder that mounts on the DD1 and DD2, and it's less than thirty bucks. Yeah, I just bought this actually. Um, I I think this is a nice upgrade from what I currently have. And I use an iPhone Seven uh, right there above the wheelbase to basically show RPMs and stuff like that. But I use like a, a cell phone holder you'd put on a dash of a car. It's got a suction cup kind of thing, and and it's not real pretty. Um, and so that's why I ended up buying this. This is more of like a 3D printed piece of plastic. It sits perfectly on the top of the the DD1. It it like uh, molded to fit, and it, it's going to put it up higher than where I have it right now. And I think the placement of it being higher is going to be better visually uh, for me to see it. Because right now, I kind of have to look down underneath the spoke of my wheel to see it. Uh, with this new unit, it's going to be above. Um, and I think I'm going to like it. So, yeah, I bought it. Take my money. Which app do you run on your cell phone? Is it JRT or Sim Racing? Sim Racing apps. Ah. Have you Be looked engaged. at the, JR, the JRT uh, dashboard? No, but I might now that this might be more visible. Maybe I'll try that. Now, my question is, Mike, every race you threaten to get rid of that wheel. Or what if now you bought this? You didn't, I guess you're talking about the wheel, not the wheel base. Yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of why I didn't buy the D, the Derek Spears button boxes, because if I got to get rid of this stupid wheel. Um, I did find somebody in the forums who said they had some, Will Sutton, I think it was, he said he had something similar uh, where he couldn't get the wheel off, and he said he had to take a hammer and a screwdriver to it to get it, uh, the wheel off, and the little rubber piece had, like, folded over in there, and that's why it was stuck. Whenever you're dealing with technology, hammer and screwdriver are never the two things you want to be using with it. Especially electronics. Not, not, not together. I could the screwdriver okay, but hammer and screwdriver is a little scary. And so uh, yeah, I saw I saw this product when I was uh, looking at the script today, and I actually sent a copy to Tyler, our, our teammate, because he uses a cell phone. Um, he actually runs it through SimHub, their their uh, telemetry apps, and uh, he is uh, looking to get a, a DD1 or maybe uh, I don't know if this will. It doesn't say that it works on the CSL DD yet because it's not out yet, but I think it's the, the same shape. So it might work on the new CSL DD as well. And uh, I sent that to him because this would be perfect for what he uses it for. 
yeah so i bought it it's uh etsy.com if you want the link check the show notes next a, a quick hit it's new paddle shifters uh from srm they can be used on most wheels including custom wheels and fanatec wheels uh, with an adapter and they are 96 pounds so from the uk there was a, a forum post from Simon Malby, and he runs that website simracingmachines.com where you can get them. So um, I understood when I was looking through this that you, you can use it on Fanatic wheels if you get an adapter for it, um, but uh, it fits on most other wheels, including custom wheels that you make. So I think the one thing that Fanatic really i don't I, I could be wrong here i've never actually really looked into it but when you buy their big oval rim their hubs their shifters paddles don't seem to have the length to be able to actually comfortably shift with them driving the big wheel i know you have the big wheel mike and you've said the same thing i've said it's really hard to get to that shifter on the wheel horrible design i don't know who th- put this together yeah, I'm about ready to cut bait and run on the wheel, but because I've had so many problems with it. But yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah, I kind of totally ditched the idea of using paddle shifters on my oval rim. Um, and you know, I just just don't use it. If I need paddle shifters, I'll switch to the uh, the formula wheel. Well, and I found the first night practicing, I was trying my oval rim. I said to David in the practice, I said I was running my oval rim because I felt more comfortable. Uh, driving Sonoma with it, with the paddle, but the paddle paddle shifting, I found that I was losing time because of it. Cause as soon as I went to my formula rim and I just had my hands on the wheel and not moving them, adjusting at all, just being able to click up and click down. I just made more time uh, at Sonoma with it, using the paddles on my formula rim instead of my, um, you know, big, big oval rim. I prefer my big oval rim because there's less, you can put better inputs in than, than the, the the formula rim but it just found that the shifting part i was losing time i don't know if i want to try it try throwing my formula on or not but um on the oval rim i'm using the sequential shifter and it's it's kind of pretty easy where i keep losing time is when i uh, when i up upshift uh occasionally i guess i short shift too soon and it won't pop up um are you using auto blip when you when you run on the formula wheel no, I'm just I'm doing it like I normally would be driving in the car. I I miss them just as much as you do too. So, um, you know, you'll be accelerating, and you don't get your foot off the accelerator enough, and it doesn't shift. And then you got to you, you get on the throttle, and you realize it hasn't shifted, and then you have to take it off again. You lose time just doing that too. But um, yeah, I just I I don't know. I know David, you you have the Porsches, your other rim, right? It's the Porsche rim. No, no, it's what's, a what's Formula the oval One rim? No, what's the? Oh yeah, the, I have the Porsche rim, but it's basically a small oval rim. Yeah, it ha- happens to have a lot of buttons. Yeah, it, that one works because of the diameter of it. As soon as you get to the oval rim, you lose that extra like inch to two inches that the the wheel is further out. You just you can't get the grip. Like I don't have long hands, so I can't. I can. I have to turn my hand in to click it and then bring my hand back out like I'm grabbing the wheel. So I'm basically moving my hand in and out instead of just holding the wheel and then moving my, you know, my fingers to click the, the, the shifter. Oh, well, I'm not shifting with the paddles. I'm shifting with the sequential and bo- mostly driving one handed. 
You'd be better off to try and paddle it. I'm, so, I'm not that's sure. That's what Zelensky does. Didn't, didn't Bobby Zelensky tell you to do that? What, to use the paddles? Yeah. Didn't you have a test session with him, a practice teaching yeah. session? Yeah, but he didn't say anything about paddles. Most of what we spent our time on was the breaking points and, and breaking hard enough. Now, he, because he uses a, a Formula rim when he races NASCAR roads oh, and ovals, too. I do the auto blip, so I don't have to fool with all that. Well, that's part of your problem. Cheater. I think practice. It's, a, disad- it's a disadvantage. The disadvantage is like Greg said, is when you miss it and then you have to do it again. That happens to me a lot when I have the auto blip off. So it's actually an advantage, I think, for me to have it on. Anyways, so back to this company. So it's obviously officers offers this, uh, these SRM shifters, uh, can be added to most rooms because we were off topic there. What about this next one? Would this work on my wheel? Well, I mean, these are just all, you know, different companies are coming up with the quick release system for, uh, for bolt patterns. Uh, and Sim Labs has now got this quick release system. They're calling the zero play steering wheel quick release. And uh, it's 49 pounds. Um, I don't know what the equivalent of, us dollars is that but uh it'll jump out to about 75 ish okay and uh but yeah they're basically um looks like a basically an anodized steel method that they're made out of it's anodized paint coated um from what i can see here um but uh you know it's a simple design and they're calling it a zero play which is what you really want when it comes to you know, quick connecting to your 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 setup, right? I like the design of it, where there's a lever that you you clamp down to tighten it, and then you pull that lever loose to loosen it. It's so much better than this fan attack design. It's so horrible with this ring you have to pull back and then pull the whole thing back at the same time. Uh, yeah, you know, if I can ever get this thing off. I'll buy something like this and recreate my own wheel. Okay, so it's uh, alloy steel it's made out of. Um, they come in different, obviously different uh, adapter sizes. So you got the 52 mil, which I guess is Fanatec's normal size. Uh, 70 mil, uh, they're calling a standard adapter. A 50.8 millimeter, which is like a formula adapter, I guess, for formula rims. And then uh, 44.5 millimeter one, which is like stock car, I guess the bigger diameter, uh, rims, but, uh, yeah. So it looks like, I really like the design and, and, and color choices of it. Obviously you got, uh, it looks like four different color choices, orange, black, red, and blue. Um, they all look really nice, uh, visually. Um, but, uh, definitely something to look into if you're looking for, uh, uh, nothing, a good feedback that doesn't have any play into it and uh, you know, a good quick release. I really like the stuff SimLab has put out. Their P1X, those those uh, Visa mounts for the back of the monitors that we looked at a couple weeks ago that you could be real precise with. Um, these, you know, this quick release, I mean, I love the stuff they put out. All right, guys. Uh, next up, we have a, a review from Boosted Media. That's Will Ford's channel there. Um, and he does a review on the B period, J period, 
sim racing hydraulic pedals. Um, so this is a set of hydraulic pedals. It sells for 861 US dollars. He, he's Australian and it was over a thousand dollars Australian. Um, but, um, so he did a review on these pedals and, uh, you know, for a hydraulic set of pedals, um, he said, uh, the $861 price tag is actually on the low end of this type of pedal system. Um, he tested it out and, uh, you know, he, he saw where they, they saved a little bit of money on it to, uh, to get the price point lower, but functionally he was very impressed with them. Now Will Ford who runs Boosted Media, man, he's got top of the top of the line, uh, gear. So, um, he thought, you know, he was going to be taking a huge step down to run these pedals from what he's been using, but he actually said, uh, he was really happy with the way he performed. And for a price point, if you're looking for hydraulic pedals, he would definitely suggest you check these guys out. We've we've heard a lot of good things about this these pedals and and for Will to you know give him give his stamp of approval, I, I really think you know brings this into you know the pedals you need to look at if you're looking at buying pedals. Like, didn't we just have a teammate buy pedals? Like, I think it was Josh. He just bought uh, the uh, Fanatec V3 inverted. And he's like, Mike, I just bought these. And I was like, oh, man, I wish you would have waited. Because for just a little bit more, he could have got these. Well, I think the V3s will probably suit Joss uh, perfectly well for what he's going to do. I kind of watched this video, and um, I now recognize, I, I didn't recognize the Boosted Media because I haven't seen a lot of stuff, but I recognize this. He pops up every once in a while because he's got that nice simmery where his cl it looks like he's inside of a car. Um, but... I like the adjustability with the pedals where it's just got an Allen key on the end and you can adjust the tension for each pedal um, with their sprit, the spring parts by just turning it in and out. It's kind of uh, an interesting quick design to just to get more feel out of it. series let's talk results finish up last week is charlotte uh, i ran uh, friday open p14 no practice and i had the wrong wheel settings um, I, I had different profiles on the wheel and i, I had the wrong one going um, i had the pit under green flag i actually had my tires unchecked um, and i just never recovered from that um, I, I think i was going to pit uh, look for damage or, or work on the wheel. So I turn, uncheck the tires and then later I, I pitted and forgot. And, and so it was just horrible. And then I hit the wall a thousand times, but I finished the race. Um, I, you know, like I was a lot of zero X's hitting the wall. Um, I actually got a couple two X's hitting the wall as well, but um, we're just happy to get it, you know, to bring it home. I was a one and done this week because of the long race. and. Um, you know, I, I wish I could have done better than P14, though. And then, Greg, you wrecked out. Yeah, I didn't have a great race. Um, I think I got it to the halfway mark, but I just, I was running, I was loose for the first part of the run, and then as soon as I made some adjustments, um, I started going back, coming back to the field, and I kind of just clipped the wall just before a caution came out, and whatever I did to the wall, it just made me down the straightaways. Like it felt like a parachute, and 
you know, you can beat them into the corners, but if they're making up everything in the straightaway or you can't complete a pass, it just doesn't do you any good. So I just had a bad race. I don't, I don't know where I finished, but I was, I pretty much wrecked it there and that was it. I pretty well took myself out of this one as well. Um, I had a, I started having lagging issues and had to let a few people by while I shut off the stream that fixed the lag issues. But then I was like, I got impatient instead of just waiting later in the race to get the spots back and was was making huge progress, passing everybody on the outside and was getting excited and and, and just snapped loose and kept kept the wheel turned to the right and kept bouncing hard off the wall to make sure I didn't collect anybody because I almost did. But, I, I, you know, I, I kind of just sacrificed the car at that point. Um, and was able to keep it rolling, but not hit anybody. And at that point, I was, I already knew I had a good finish from Wednesday, so I just pulled it in and went and did other things. Okay, and Tony Rochette, P4, what a race. Definitely one of the fastest cars till my black cloud covered the sun and was wrecked three times, and two of the three was nose damage. Steve Allen ran with us. He wrecked uh, as well. He was running fifth, gaining on the leader, and then got wrecked by a lap car on new tires when I was side-by-side -side with the fourth-place guy on lap 317. Bummer. You definitely, if you get wrecked, you want it to be early. You do not want to be with the last, like, 50 maps to go in that. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking when you get to that point. And, you know, most of the time I hate getting wrecked early, but th this time, because I already had, a, had the result, I was like, yeah, I'll just take it easy. Okay, so Sunday open, Kyle, he ran P6, started back in P17, worked his way up to the top five within the first 18 laps, ran a consistent top 10 throughout the race and even led 14 laps, gave up the lead for the first pit cycle, stayed on the lead lap until about halfway, started losing time to the leader and after a few pit cycles ended up a lap down. After a few small brushes with the wall, I was falling off pace and pit for the second to last cycle for tire fuel and repair i fell two laps down and started to drive my way through the field stayed out as long as i could for the final pit cycle and was able to catch a caution and only be one lap down after pits i was sitting p5 but smacked the wall hard out of four and started to lose time to the field and fell back to p6 big shout out to paul donnelly too for his outstanding performance he led 249 laps and was untouchable Sunday fixed. I can't believe I ran it, but uh, wrecked out. I had it missed, but I got ran over from behind. Um, the car wasn't that bad, but it was like you said, David, it was just slow enough. And, you know, four hours later, I didn't want to just be rolling around for 20th, so I parked it. Steve Allen also ran with me, and uh, he got wrecked out shortly after I did. And then we went to Sonoma. We ran Wednesday open. Uh, me and Greg were up in top split. I brought it home P14. I should have finished 12th, but late in the race, as as um, I was fighting with a couple of guys, I looped it going up the top of the hill, and it gave them enough room. Nobody else is anywhere near us. Um, so still an acceptable finish at, at a, a track that is had a lot of good racers at. Okay, I got a P11. Uh, had a good first half, ran as high as seventh, but then eventually I spun on my own. It was right before the halfway point before I pitted, and then right after I pitted, I spun again. And then there were a couple other spins after that, 
and so I was lucky to get what I got. P11, I'll take those points and run, run, run. Greg, you got P7. Well, it's my favorite track. Um, I always do good at Sonoma. I normally am not in the top split because of it being oval eye rating, but because it's road eye rating, I kind of jumped up with David there and was in the same race. Um, kind of just started at 16th and I finished seventh. Um, drove myself up to that and just, I guess with pit strategy, I got one extra one. And then I guess that guy that was trying to run me down with his pit strategy, he wrecked himself trying to get to me, um, which gave David and I both positions there. But uh, it was all in all, it was a good race. I uh, learned a bit from it for Friday night. Um, need a little bit more speed out of the car, but uh, that was one hell of a hot room too for, or track temp for a race too. So it was pretty slippery and slick. Uh, but we'll see what we get uh, Friday night and Sunday morning. Um, yeah, I look forward to it. Okay, Tony Rochette, P5. Uh, the road streak continues. Worst finish out of NIS Road has been seventh, ran fifth, 98% of the race, uh, where my eye was dodging and praying to baby Jeebus, and I don't get wrecked by the bottom splits very best. And I did with zero X. That should be worth top split points alone. I'm one and done at this stupid track, and the Project K9 Hero 200 is next Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. For someone who seems to not like road racing, he seems to still get finishes out of it and seems to be good. I think he's, uh, I think he thinks he doesn't like road racing, but he just seems to get something out of it that uh, it's better than he than he than he does. Like, you know, he's finished in what the top 10 all season of all the road races that we've done so you can stay out of sorry i thought you were done i was just gonna say you know even if it's bottom split or not it it is what it is you know you got to compete at the level you're at right yeah and in the road courses if you stay out of everybody else's way you're going to get a decent finish and the way the road split splits are done now he's not having to race the fast road stock car guys that aren't good at oval they're all they're they're kind of out of the way you mean like our split the guys that were running 38s and 39s for 10 or 15 laps where as we could only do that for a couple laps and then we're in the 40s yeah but then if you go look and see what their oval eye rating is they're running in the 2000s right so he doesn't have to face them anymore he's getting um it's a different so that's playing to his advantage well but he's he's racing it smart and he, for the most part in a lot of road courses if you stay out of trouble you can get a good finish it's a little <laughs> bit harder in the top split but still i mean i didn't used to get 14th at snowma i was never anywhere close to even finishing snowma usually and that's one thing he is he's a smart racer you know he's he just plays it cool and he gets good finishes i i want to so his his I rating is going to go up in road, obviously, with all these good finishes. So I just want to see how he runs when he gets into a higher split. That's all. And I, I hope he can t- continues, like you said. But then he goes into one of these, like, 24-hour races or something like that, or the Dirt's ones where we got to make, a, I guess, Team Fun or something like that. You know, he was part of Team Fun for the Daytona, was he not? Yeah, yeah, but so they didn't. The, they didn't get to run very long. Everybody, somebody else took care of the car before anybody else could hurt it. I was just saying that no, you know no, sometimes we got, we the eye rating goes up and down from that. 
we finished the whole race. It wasn't pretty, but we finished it. <laughs> <laughs> you finished it with a car that was broken for 23 hours. <laughs> All right, and then Thursday open, David, taken out. Yeah, we already talked about that. Okay. And then let's move on to other official PDS Euro Sprint. Yeah, uh, took a win at Road America with some tough guys in there. It took advantage of them having trouble. I probably should have been third, but the two faster guys wrecked themselves out. It was a field of about seven or eight, I think. Uh, then I also took a win at Twin Ring Montegi the week before. Have to be fit to win it. All right, let's move on. Okay. Uh, league and hosted uh, Fast Track Sim Racing League was Monday night. And uh, Greg, we'll start off with you, P10. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a bad race. I we made some adjustments after the first run. The first run, I was something was really off in the car, the way it felt, and I couldn't. I just couldn't get off the corners, and I fell back and just kind of rode around until the first pit stops. Um, I think we had what cautions early, early, and then it went green for the rest of it. So. You know, each time we went down pits, we were trying to, I was trying to make adjustments to it, and I just couldn't get the handling on it the way I like it. And um, by the end of it, uh, just didn't have anything for those guys up the front, and David's one of them, and he, he seemed to benefit the most uh, from uh, opportunities in the race and, and, and good, good work on whatever uh, adjustments he made in race with the setup. All right, I got P16. I started near the back, I worked my way up was getting uh, loose on the center to the exit and would slip and lose my track position. Ugh. I kind of pitted in between the two popular strategies of, uh, I think it was a two stop or a three stop, um, but the cautions just didn't fall my way. And so it just didn't work out well for me. Tom Dryling, uh, he was playing the cautions, uh, the strategy, he was P3. He says, dang, I thought I had the right pit strategy. I decided to stay out as long as I could. I caught a caution as I was about to pit. I should have pitted again with one to go. I ran as long as I could. I saved as much as I could with what I was given for one more gallon of gas. And so he didn't have quite enough to to run the strategy he wanted, he probably should have topped off, but uh, he cut that. He did catch that lucky caution when he needed it. And then David, that leaves you. What a way to debut, eh? He I, won. Took the, I took the checkered. Uh, basically, capitalized on long run speed and stayed mistake free. There's a couple of other other guys that had better long run speed than me, but they both made pit road mistakes, and that's part of the part of the game, right? Um, I didn't have, Tom should have also won it, but he used up just a little bit too much fuel. We were both in the same situation where I was thinking, um, right now it says I can make it on just this many stops, but the track's gonna get colder. The car, and when the cars get faster, you don't run as good a mileage. It, it burns off more gas. And so I figured that out. I, I kind of planned for that and, and ran one more pit stop. Uh, but where I, the other guys that were on the same strategy with me where I would really pull away from them, like the Tyler or Tyler and Jeff, I call them the twins, but it's actually father and son, the marble guys. They, um, they would be about the same pace as me or maybe even a little bit faster from lap 20 to 35, but from 35 to 60 to, or to 55 or so, I, I would just pull away from them. And um, so I did pit stops every 50, 
53 or 54 laps um and it pressured jeff into to pitting way early on his last pit stop and when when and i went i only had a 40 lap run for my last run and just just screeched right by everybody except for the ones who had penalties so it was exciting um, i ran a lot of you know i'm on vacation i ran a lot of charlotte this week and just like knew I, we had speed here the morley set was was really good and i've i kind of was like okay I'll, I'll come run the league race because i felt confident that i had a shot now we don't have it listed here but how did mike run um i think 13th and yeah he he got that that blue line he got an unsafe pit exit and there's no recovery uh, you know i think he lost a lap or two and yeah, I think he got a wave around at one point, but it just wasn't enough. But yeah, it was we, fun, all of us running in the same race. Uh, that was a blast. I'll probably keep doing it because we do, we just don't get to run the same splits in NIS. So it's it's going to be entertaining to keep doing this and just, I guess, wait till Tuesday to, to talk about how bad the set is for, for Wednesday. It's a running joke we have on the chat. Well, and David, you had to uh, go and uh, one-up me because you won the race in your first debut i got second in my debut of it so but now, now we're going back to a road course third week so it should be interesting for fast track okay there's not oh. as much strategy it'll just be you, you're faster unless something happens to you you got we've got that one first lap shenanigans right all right next up obrl the uh aftermath truck series congratulations steve thompson who won the race at kentucky Dwayne MacArthur second and Bob Fellenbaum third. And next, the iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 3, Kyle P23 at Daytona, and then Brian P6. Yeah, so uh, this is the first race. It was, um, I finished, if you remember, um, they do stage racing in this, so uh, three stages. And if you finish in the top three of the first two stages, you are given an EOL for the following stage. I actually finished third in the first stage and went to the back of the line. Um, yeah, I kind of just stayed back there, avoided trouble through stage two. And uh, with some uh, little bit of luck and some late wrecks, I found myself in P2 uh, for a green-white checker finish. And uh, so uh, I was behind the leader. Um, his name is uh, Brian McCann. Uh, I was pushing him. I was. We were on the last lap. I was happy to push him through the finish and stay right behind him. And uh, man, right in the middle of three and four, um, you know, there was a, a car on the outside of me, car, you know, we were completely boxed in at that point. And I just wiggled for some reason and I came up the track and wind up causing a wreck. So it was my fault. I limped home in sixth place, but I felt really bad that that, that wreck happened. Um, you know, I was really good all race long holding my line. I, I don't have any problems staying on the white line, but for some reason, I don't know if it was the aero package side drafting or what, because everybody was really close together, but I just lost the bottom line and I came up a little bit, wrecked out a few people, I'm afraid. Last lap nerves. <laughs> Maybe. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. 
Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Grid Finder. Gridfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. All right. Uh, let's go into final thoughts. Uh, Brian McCubbin. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know if you guys remember, but I was talking uh, a couple weeks ago about um, using my um, crew chief app to try to change my uh, tires and, you know, clear my tires and stuff like that. It's real important now with uh, tire limits and uh, it didn't work a couple of times and uh, it's still not working right. Well, I did some research and I use the SIM commander program for the uh, G belt and that launches iRacing from the uh, SIM commander program. And when it does that, I was reading in the forums for crew chief, it overrides the crew chief. So even though crew chief hears my commands to change tires or clear the tires, it doesn't do it. So I'm going to have to start looking for other options. I know David, you talked earlier about using button boxes for these macro commands. So that's maybe something I'll have to look into for, for that, or I might have to try uh Dre, uh, the digital race engineer and see if they have that same issue. So until I can get that figured out, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep using, um, the uh, crew chief app doesn't sim commander have its own voice activated stuff yeah but i don't know if they do um you know all the uh the spotting and the uh commands for all the other stuff i'm not sure you could run you could use crew chief for the spotting and just program your macros and in, into sim commander okay i'll look into something that uh, that's it, i just really figured that out last night when i started to do some research so uh, i'm going to start to look for some options and that, i'll look into that david thank you okay and then david hall final thoughts yeah and then i'm the main reason i use the button boxes even though i have some uh not some candor crew chief running is because it half the time doesn't recognize what i say i'll, I'll tell it to clear tires and it'll suddenly uh say yeah i can hear you or you know, something completely unrelated uh exciting to finally get an oval win after a while it's those you once you get up into top split and you're racing garrett mains it's it's tougher especially to get p1 you have to you have to to learn to be happy with 15th which is counterintuitive, right? Uh, also, any iRacers Lounge listeners that are going to be in Nashville, let me know. I'm going to all three races, and we'll be in town all weekend. I go buy David a beer. What weekend is that? Is that next weekend? No, nah, it's the following. Following? Okay, and then Greg Hector's final thoughts. I uh, just want to say I'm happy that we're at our favorite track, this, or my favorite track this week run Sonoma. Um, we're also going to go in to Road America to my favorite track in a couple of weeks here down the road to race as well for the Cup Series. Um, but uh, I don't know, I just something about the Cup Series cars racing around these tracks. I can't wait till the 2022 20, next gen car driving those these car, some of these courses will be fun too. Um, but uh, I kind of was just doing some research here while we were talking. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this. We're only 94 million miles or kilometer uh, laps away from uh, hitting 4 billion. We're almost at it again where we're going to hit the 4 billion mark. Uh, so there goes another billion laps. I think David has about half of those, right? <laughs> All right. 
come soon. All right, my final thoughts, um, the lighting system, the ambient lighting system. Well, I was keen on Velcroing it to the bottom of my monitors, and, and it worked for a while, but then it fell off. And I just can't get anything to stick to that. And I've tried Gorilla Glue. I've tried Hook uh, Velcro and all kinds of different things. And so I've kind of given up on it. And then I kind of have draped it behind the monitors, and it hangs down in the below the center where I can literally see it, and it points into my eyes. And as we went to Charlotte Oval this last week, I think I really got the best example of how this ambient lighting thing is going to play out. As you would go through turns three and four and the sunset was shining in your face and everything got kind of orange, man, you could really see it with that light. And then as you pull up onto the front stretch and you're all of a sudden in shadow from the grandstands, the light would dim quite a bit. And you could really tell the difference, uh, more so than any of my other um, tests that I've done so far. So I, I must say that I'm very pleased with the outcome of it. I kind of got it to where I like it now, and, uh, and we're going to leave it be. And with that, we'll see you out on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.